Good morning. We'll be in Genesis chapter 22 uh, for most of our time together this morning. Genesis 22 uh, with a little time in 18 as we continue kind of this uh, really roller coaster ride with Abraham uh, to a large degree. Uh, we've talked about some other folks. We spent a little time with Noah uh, and we continue to look at the instances where God spoke directly to uh, people, you may look at a few chapters prior to this, and uh, you've got the story of Abimelech, where uh, God speaks to Abimelech in a in a vision, and we're really kind of focusing on these direct conversations uh, with God, and so that's kind of why we're jumping around some of those. Uh, not that those aren't worth your while, and going back and reading and kind of seeing the context, but to see the difference in his relationship with Abraham and how he handles those things. So in Chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, you see the, the birth of Isaac, this promise that's been made and uh, several discussions between God and Abraham concerning uh, the birth of Isaac. And it finally happens there in chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Uh, you also see in chapter 21, 8 through 13, this dealing with um, Hagar and Ishmael. The final straw is that Isaac's born and uh, Sarah is ready to see them leave. And so she kind of makes this comment to Abraham. And uh, Abraham, as you can imagine, is, is distraught because this is his son. Uh, just as much to him, I'm sure, in the eyes as Isaac is. Uh, but you have this comment from God, verse 12, But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. We see this discussion. Uh, God shows up through the angel, is my understanding there, and, and basically reaffirms that that's exactly what's going to happen. And so you see these examples. And unfortunately for us, sometimes we divorce these two instances. Uh, there are a lot of people in the New Testament, if you look at some of the criticism of the New Testament, people who believe the New Testament to be inspired, but you know, there's folks who sit around and argue these things and discuss these things. And you know, you'll look at Paul's writing and go, well, he never uses this word anywhere else. And I'm always like, that's okay, we can discuss those things, but how many of us still use the language that we used five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? You know, hopefully we're maturing, and sometimes we think, oh, well, Paul became an apostle, and he never changed, he never evolved, he never changed his way of thinking on things because he was an inspired apostle. I'm like, well, I think we're kind of, you know, messing things up there by you know, limiting the language of Paul or whoever's writing. They do that with several writers. They do it with the book of Hebrews. Well, you know, they just never did this here. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't grow and they didn't change. And so I think it's important to get the context that God has reassured him not only about Isaac, but Ishmael. You know, God has reassured over and over again. A lot of times we'll take chapter 22 and the testing of Abraham as this kind of standalone event. But over and over again, God has shown in, in our last study of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? You are a just God. I know you're a just God. And if you're a just God, you won't condemn the whole place if you can find 50. And, you know, we see this kind of a, uh, this Jewing, we might say, if you'll forgive me of that terminology, but there's a place where we get that, right? There's a reason why we say that phrase. He's going to bring him down. There's this discussion with God. 
And it's kind of amazing. We get to chapter 22 and we almost read it emotionless. When God shows up and says, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And we go, man, how can he be emotionless? Well, we weren't there, right? We don't know the discussion, all of the discussion. But basically what the writer wants us to understand is God said, go, which is a familiar word to Abraham, right? And it's worked out so far for Abraham, right? And so, you know, it's not this standalone event. It's several events in a row where God has come through in the clutch, And it's amazing that some of us are built in such a way that, you know, I'm not this person. You know, know, some of you have been consumed with Christians in Afghanistan, right? And I'll be honest, I'll repent before you. I don't think about that a lot, right? Because I'm kind of consumed with me and what's going on here, right, in my world. And so it's amazing to see God show up. Well, we're going to go over here and we're going to destroy this whole city. And Abraham goes into the works, right? Well, you can't. You wouldn't. You shouldn't. Uh, and then we see him show up to Abraham and say, I want you to sacrifice your son. Okay. Go and say, all right. No problem. Right? Where my reaction would be right the opposite. And it has been. Right? Sodom and Gomorrah, come on. Aren't they, they're worth the punishment. They, they deserve to be destroyed off the face of the planet. But you come to my house, I, I'm not so fired up about that. Right? Uh, I do think that you can, and, and this is going to sound terrible, and might even sound like a humble brag, sometimes I trust God too much. Is that, is that the wrong phrase? That may be the wrong phrase, but it makes me lazy, right? Oh, God's got that. That means I don't have to do anything. Right? I'll just sit back and let Him do His thing, and there's certainly a place for that. Be still and know that I am God. You know, Stay still. I'm going to fight this battle for you today. But several times, you know, God shows up and tells them to do that. Hey, I don't want you to do anything because I'm going to do it. And so there's several things that go into that. We have to be open to God's voice, right? We we need to be in tune with God's will. Uh, We see the Son of God. There's never been anybody more in tune with the will of God. What did he do? He took time away to be with God. And so we see this example here in Genesis 22. And I don't want us to think, you know, that... Man, this just happened out of the blue. There were things, you know, when God first tells Abraham to go, that seems kind of out of the blue, and he trusts him. But there's several events that have happened over the last few chapters to where God can look at, okay, I don't completely understand what's going on here, but you've told me to do this, and it's worked out so far, so here we go. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that Abraham's this guy that's completely self-sacrificing. We see in the story of Abimelech, hey, I don't want to die. I'm willing to give up Sarah. And so, you know, it's a different day. Right? We can all understand that. Right? Today, I might be feeling good. I might be in the middle of the Lord's will. And I feel like I'm just in the zone. Right? Ask me tomorrow. And that may be different. In fact, ask me ten minutes from now. I like doing this right here. It's the problem when I sit down and start thinking about all the dumb things I said. That's the problem, right? And so this roller coaster ride continues. God calls out to him. Verse 1, sometime later God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Now I want to compare that to Adam, right? Where are you, Adam? Well, it's so-and-so's problem. It's so-and-so's fault. Abraham, here I am. I'm listening. I'm here. Whatever you're bringing, right? You've got me this far. It's been a little crazy. Here I am. And so you know my location. I'm with you. I'm here 
to listen. How refreshing is that when somebody tells you that? Hey, I'm here for you. And then not only am I here for you, I'm here to listen to you. I'm listening to whatever you want to say. I'm going to do my very best not to interject. You know how many times that's happened in my life? Not often, especially from me to someone else. Here I am. Notice he says, take your son, your only son. I, I think that most of your translations probably have go. Go, go, go. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. Now, once again, understand that you don't get an argument from Abraham because this is normal. This is the accepted practice. At some point to please God and to show, or a God, to show your commitment, you're willing to sacrifice. In fact, it was an honor. In his day, that's what you did. And to be chosen to sacrifice, wow, even more big a deal. So understand the context, right? In our day and age, this sounds crazy out of left field, especially from a God who, through this story, I believe, shows that that's not an acceptable practice. And so Abraham goes without an argument recorded. It doesn't mean he wasn't emotional. It doesn't mean that he was, didn't sleep much. In fact, we see the next morning. Maybe in some of your translations, it's a little even more expedient, right? And I would use this as a parent to say, you know, there's no slow obedience here, right? Those of you that have been parents, those of you that are parents, right? There's that, that mode of slow obedience. Yes, I will do it. I will eventually get there. I will get this done. And most of us that have been Christians, yes, Lord, I know eventually I'll get there, right? And Abraham's like, immediately, right? The morning. Now, I imagine he didn't sleep much. I mean, if I, if I just can, can inflect my own emotion into that, right? I'm probably not going to sleep much. Like, that's kind of a big deal, And so that may have played into it as well. But we do not see slow obedience, right? My kids generally obey me slowly, like molasses, right? Slow as Christmas, right? I think they really want to please people. But any of you who have taught them know that it's slow process. And it drives me crazy, right? It drives me crazy. As Coach Whitworth would say, it's a short trip, right? It's a short trip. I'm already there. And so we don't see that with Abraham. Saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped, up, chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Okay, now I don't want to read too much into that other than the New Testament tells us there was an expectation there, right? That somehow, some way, God is going to provide. And is that not a trust issue? Now, I don't necessarily agree, and I know the word test is used there, but our mentality when it comes to test, because I think there's places in the New Testament where it says the Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't play in that ball field. And I think there's a level of definition here that's different. When I'm putting someone to the test, I'm trying to make them fail, generally speaking, right? If I'm testing someone, I don't think that God's intention here is for him to fail. In fact, I think God isn't going to let him fail. I think that's kind of the definition of a covenant. No matter how much you try to fail, 
it's going to be over quite literally Jesus' dead body. Like, you're just going to have to walk away. You're going to have to fight me. But even then, guess what? My will is going to be done. And so there's a different idea of God testing us. Because God's going to provide, as it says, a way out in every situation. In every situation. And so it's very different than me causing you to stumble. Than God showing up and saying, hey, I want you to do this. Are you going to do it? Right? I have a hard time in Job when he says, have you considered Job? <laughs> right? But he tells us how that story is going to... God ruins the story in chapter 1. Have you considered my servant Job? He is upright and blameless. And we read and say, oh man, he goes through all this stuff. But guess what at the end? Job's upright and blameless. God tells you how it's going to work out. Hey, this is how this is going to end. No matter what you do, right? I got Job. And so we need to read the Bible that way, right? Like, yes, we have decisions. Yes, we have free will. Yes, we have to choose to play the game and be a part and do what God tells us to do. But ultimately, God has got this. And so, so often, we make things so much more difficult than they have to be. Because we're working with a set of eyes on the ground. And that really is all we have other than the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so, man, there's just so much to unpack here. And I know I'm already behind. But you see, there's no argument like there was for Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? I think part of that's because of Sodom and Gomorrah. God listened to Abraham. There's a back and forth here, which is really ridiculous when you think about it. Right? Like, what could I possibly add to God's perspective? Nothing. And then yet he goes, tell me. Right? We, we sing the Psalms on many occasions. Some of our greatest devotional songs are some of the ickiest feelings from David. Right? He says some things because he trusts. Right? He's got Saul right where he wants him. Everybody around him. Hey, here's your chance. God's telling you this is a neon sign telling you to kill this guy. I'm not going to kill God's anointing. I'm trusting God's timing. What? <laughs> huh? I'm standing in front of a lot of God's anointing here. And so I put a lot of trust in you guys. Some of you have broken my heart before. I'm sure I've broken yours. But that doesn't change who God is. Right? There's ministers fleeing the church left and right. I'm giving up this whole thing because, man, I got mistreated here. Did you not, like, read the instruction manual? That's what we do to people. Like, we just mistreat them. And so when you get into this Jesus thing, you've got to just understand that you're going to get run over a bunch. But he's got it. He's got it. And that's not always easy to do. It's easy to say, not so easy to do. That's why I'm up here saying it. Because <laughs> you know, it's easier to do it that way. This is another apologetic. Really, this chapter is. Because God's not into human sacrifice. Or at the very least, he's not willing to tell us to do anything that he hasn't and doesn't plan to do. It's a God of vision. Chapter 26, 6 through 8. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder. We don't know how old he was, but he's old enough to carry this wood. And he does. While he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Together. I think that that is not 
uh, you know, just a location. I think, hey, we're on the same page. We are trusting the same God. We are trusting the provision that we are willing to go and sacrifice to God. We're on this long trip. I don't know why we're on this long trip, but we're together. And we're going. You ever had that feeling with somebody? Right? You ever had a tough issue come along? You had somebody to go with you? And I can't imagine these people on the seventh floor of Huntsville Hospital dealing with cancer and people can't be there with them. I had that. And you don't think I count that blessing every day? 300-something people came and visited me in the hospital because it was pre-COVID. I, had, I, had a, I worked at a place that allowed my wife to be with me every moment I was in that hospital. That's phenomenal. Right? Not everybody gets that. But to go together, all of us, if we really look at this, the reason why we love being on the same page, Dr. Riggie, because we're together. We're going together. We're going to get through all this. That great app that we've got where we can go and say, hey, this is happening. Man, it seems like we're hitting that thing up all day, every day. The reason we can get through it is we're going together. We have a God who created the universe that's going together. And so that's a, such an important word, together. And then finally, verses 13 through 14, Then Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Notice that God sends the angel, do not hurt him. The angel of God, do not hurt him. Abraham looked up, saw a ram, caught it in thorns. So he took the ram, sacrificed it. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yaira, or Jaira, which means the Lord will provide, or, and I even like this one a little bit better, uh, that the Lord, it's, it's the mount of the Lord, there is vision. Now, most people I've heard and I've read and studied, this is the same mountain that Jesus would be sacrificed on. The Lord has a vision, right? The Lord sees things differently than us. And man, oh man, the longer I live, the more I'm happy about that. Because things look bleak. They look tough. But a lot of the bleakness and toughness is because we are so comfortable. And the moment something gets uncomfortable, it's darker than we've ever experienced. And I think about people who say, oh, it's never been this bad before. And I'm like, have you discussed that with the Lord? Because I'm fairly certain he would disagree. Right? The Apostle Paul would disagree pretty vehemently. Like, you're just uncomfortable. You've just been pushed out of your comfort zone. And Paul like literally made tents outside of his comfort zone. Like, here's a Jew of Jews going out to a bunch of us pig-eating Gentiles and trying to bring us to the Lord. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But we weren't really ever called to be comfy. Right? We were never called to be warm and comfortable. Yes, there are times where we retreat. Yes, God is a God of comfort. Only really do we experience that when we are vulnerable and put our anxieties at the foot of the cross. I'm here to comfort you. Blessed are those who mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep, right? Put two verses together there. But it's true. Because we're vulnerable. We meet at a place of vulnerability. Why are churches not packed? Because we're told, oh, don't be vulnerable. You can be anything you want to be, but don't be vulnerable. Because people will take advantage of you. There may not be a greater truth that Jesus knew. The man put on vulnerability to be, to be put on a cross by his choice, not by accident, 
by other vulnerable people. That's why we sing. He could have called 10,000 angels, and it's a little intimidating because we're vulnerable. Now, we can't fight against those things. And so God calls us to say, hey, I'm all about comforting you. But you've got to be vulnerable first. And for some of us, that's a bridge too far. I'm just not willing. I'm not willing. Yes, I know God's got, right? The, the promised land. Two spies come back. Hey, man, this is the greatest place we've ever been. Like, it's amazing. And, and it's the promised land. It's in the name. But ten come back and say, well, that's, that's true. But we'll have to be vulnerable. And, and you know, I'm kind of like where we're at. The desert and the wilderness is terrible until you show up and there are giants in the place promised. Where there's these giants named vulnerability and sacrifice. See, God said, all right, I know where you're vulnerable, Abraham. I know where you could fall short, and it's that boy. It's that boy. I got to see. Right? Will you do what I told you to do? Loads up that morning. All right, this is what we're doing, and the Lord will provide. That's phenomenal. Wherever you're at today, you got questions. I got questions. I'm not a machine. I am not a machine. I hurt. I don't understand. I shake my fist at the Lord. Hey, why is this happening? I don't like this. This hurts. This is uncomfortable. He says, yeah, I know. Because I've hurt. And I've made myself uncomfortable. So that maybe, just maybe, you'll do the same. And really experience what it's like to follow God. I'm not here to promise you an easy life. There are certain, certainly preachers out there that can, they'd love to fill you up with that all day long. They're making really good money telling you, hey, if you give your life to the Lord, it'll be easy street from then on. We got too many examples in Scripture to believe that baloney because that's what it is. Abraham could have stayed home. He'd have been taken care of. God shows up and says, go. And he says, all right, whatever it is, I'm in for it. And through his mistakes, and he made a lot of them. That's why I believe it's God's Word. This is not written by a man. Because most men, we don't share people's shortcomings, right? We're kind of fearful of that. And here God goes, hey, here's all these heroes of faith. Look at where they messed it up and how I came through in the face of their mess-ups. And our mistake is, oh, Abraham, oh, Paul, oh, and those guys are great. But they're not God. And they'd be the first one to tell you that. Put your faith in Him and in Him alone because all of us are going to fail somebody. Don't trust in Travis Creasy because, man, I barely can tie my shoes. That's why I keep them tied once I get them there. Right? Don't trust Travis Creasy because I can't tie a tie. And I've been, that's, what, that's another great thing in this church. You don't expect me to wear a tie, right? If I mess up in those little bitty things, what about the complex? Like, come on now. You put your faith in God and Him only. And then the rest of us will come along together and get where we're going. This morning, if you have a need, and I mean any need, right? You need, hey, I just haven't been hugged in two years and I need it. Booyah, that's an easy one. We can make that happen, right? We can make that happen. We'll mask up, glove up, whatever. Or something else. Whatever it is, the Lord will provide. Do you believe that? Because that's the real question today. Because God provided 2,000 some odd years ago an opportunity to know Him at a vulnerable, 
anxious-inducing level. Just like those guys on that boat, that storm blew up. Some of those guys were expert fishermen. They've spent time on the water. They knew the peril they were in, and they go to Jesus, right? We know the peril that we're in. Maybe you don't even know the peril that you're in. You don't even know why you're feeling the way you can feel. But I can tell you right now, Jesus is not asleep. He's at the will. He's in control. And that was way before that song, right? Jesus, take the will. No, it was way before that. He's been there. So if you have a need, whatever it is, if you'd love to become a Christian today, man, oh man, would that fire us up. Boy, you want to talk about encouragement, that would encourage us, set us on fire, ready to go. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. You say, hey, I need my fire lit again. We would love to be a part of that too. But ultimately understand the power is found in God and in the Holy Spirit. So if you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and sing this morning.